Mark 13 and verse 14. But when you shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, When you shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing where it ought not let him that readeth understand and then let them that be in Judea flee to the mountains. I'll, I'll resume in just uh, about a Let me ask some of someone, one of you, to read the same passage down to the end of the chapter, Mark 13, beginning with verse 14. If somebody would like to read. Mark chapter 13, verse 14 onwards. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down into the house, nor enter to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter. For in those days there will be tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the creation which God created until this time, nor ever shall be. And unless the Lord had shortened those days, 
no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, whom he chose, he shortened the days. Then if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or look, he is there, do not believe it, for false Christs and false prophets will rise and show signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. But take heed, see, I have told you all things beforehand. But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars of heaven will fall, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send his angels and gather together his elect from the four winds from the farthest part of earth to the farthest part of heaven. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and put forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going to a far country, who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. Praise God. Praise the Lord. A very involved teaching that the Lord gave, predictions, and what to do in this chapter 13 of Mark. It's abomination of desolation. It's talking about this Antichrist, and we see that in Daniel chapter 9, and the pact that he makes a covenant and at a certain time in the middle of that period he will actually intervene and stop the sacrifice and offering it says in Daniel chapter 9 and this is called the abomination that causes desolation some kind of defilement there in the temple <clears throat> historically it happened with not only uh, Antiochus Epiphanes after Alexander the Great died his power was given to four different people ruling not in Israel but to the north and to the south and then one of those rulers 
came and desecrated the temple, and that's when we had the Maccabeans in Jewish history. <coughs> Excuse me, this is the actual happening in those years between the Old Testament and New Testament, around 160 or 70 B.C., before Christ. So something like this happened. But the Lord is talking about a future. The temple is destroyed within 40 years of him making that prediction not one stone will be left on top of another. That happened in 70 AD. <clears throat> As you mentioned with the Roman governor Titus coming in and destroying the temple. But clearly the Lord is talking about a bigger picture. This Antichrist. And he's tying this on or tying this to the heavens being shaken. So it's a very involved passage here. When I say prediction, we're talking about the Holy Spirit giving the revelation, prophecy, prophetic insight, prophetic teaching about the future. He said, when you see such a thing happen, during the tribulation period, and let, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. There was something happening when the Romans came and massacred the people about three, within four decades of the Lord speaking this. When we talk about the heavens being shaken, the stars falling like untimely figs from a fig tree, shriveled up, this involves a bigger picture. And the Lord is telling the people, let no one on the house stop go down or into the house to take anything out. Let the people who are in Judea flee to the mountains. In other words, <clears throat> it's going to be so horrible and so devastating that you shouldn't try to remain where you are. Try to run. Why all of this? Again, we think about Israel's history and Judah's history. In Deuteronomy, the Lord said that your enemies will flee from you in seven different directions. Nobody will be able to stand before you. But if you give in to sin, you'll be defeated. If you give in to idolatry and all kinds of evil, abominations, he said, I'll make sure. Not only will you get defeated, but the land will vomit you out and it's going to be very bad for you. So all of this was not in God's heart, you see. None of this was in God's heart. But the people, they took that route. This devastation to themselves. And we know that the Lord Jesus at his trial, the chief priests, the elders, all these people, they said, his blood be upon our heads. They took a curse upon themselves and to their children, generations. To state that whatever happens, we want him dead. We don't care if we have a curse coming on us, we'll gladly take it. And horrible things have happened as a result. The truth is, no matter what perspective anyone takes, what happened in the Holocaust during World War II was a planned genocide 
as we know, for one group of people in particular, even though others were also involved, the main focus was the Israeli or the Jew. Kind of like in Esther's time, the enemy wanted to wipe out the Jews. Why did this happen? It's not supposed to happen. People listening to the radio, they're listening to secular music, or they're having their Jewish traditions. Have you ever seen films growing up or in school? It's just family. They have their functions, they have their rituals, they have their Passover, they have all these things. And for a lot of Jewish people, they're very industrious, they'll be having an increase in economics and more freedom. And all of a sudden, as Hitler comes and everything's turned upside down and they're starting to run. <clears throat> it's just horrific what happened. And the Lord is now talking about, again, in context, He's talking about a time when the stars will fall upon the earth. So many preludes to the great tribulation period that the Lord talks about, many uh, types of Antichrist, many types of tribulation period for the Jews. Then in the 1800s, what they call the pogroms or pogroms, T-O-G-R-O-M-S, there were planned persecution against this group of people. <clears throat> the Lord Jesus was a Jew. This is his people. No wonder he said, looking over Jerusalem, weeping. I wanted to gather you, but you didn't want peace. You didn't want to come to me. No. Your house has left you desolate. And the Lord never does this overnight. He doesn't do it even in a week or a month. Hundreds of years he waited. The people kept ignoring his counsel. The remnant kept it, but the majority discarded it. And so the majority caused the captivity of the nation. We heard last night in the beginning of the evening meeting, Daniel was a righteous man. There were righteous people in that group. But all that came upon the people because of, as Daniel prayed, the fathers, because of these people also who are currently living there in Daniel's time. To the point where when Jesus was dealing with the religious leaders, he said, you're nullifying the very word of God, what God has pronounced from his mouth. He said, this is what you do, this is what you don't do. I'm your life. I'm your length of days. Stay with me. I'll prosper you. I'll bless you. I'll give you the finest of the wheat, milk and honey and all these things. They just put it behind their back. They made their own traditions. They actually started to play God. And the development of the rabbis and rabbinical schools and what's this, what's kosher and what's not and what you can do on the Sabbath, what you can do. Tremendous uh, perversion and private interpretation of the law in a bondage, as the Lord said to the Pharisees. You bind people with your heavy burdens. <clears throat> but you, you've missed mercy, faith, and righteousness. The very thing that will keep us with God, because that's how God is. If we want to live with God, we have to be agreeable to the Lord. We have to share in that light. We can't be in darkness expect to be with the Lord. When you see the abomination that causes desolation standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand. And let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the housetop go down or enter the house to take anything out. Let no one in the field go back to get their cloak. 
how dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Just reading that sentence there should cause great horror and shock, grief, that the Lord had to go to this extent to say it's going to be that devastating. Pray that this will not take place in winter, this persecution that's coming. Because those will be days of distress unequal from the beginning when God created the world until now and never to be equal again. Now he's talking to his disciples. He's sharing this. So it's not just the Jews, but believers in the Lord Jesus. And we saw in the same chapter in the first part that he says in a family, people take or make choices. They will pick Jesus or they will pick the devil, basically, as to who will be their master. That will cause a division in the family. And I mentioned it doesn't have to. We can be so fervent, so full of faith and believe God for our family and he can save all of them. But there will be cases in which people make the choice actively. I don't care how good God is, how much I'm blessed or we're blessed because of your obedience to him, because of your faith. I want no part of it. I will spend a lifetime blaspheming God and they make their choice. So the context here again, though the persecution against the Jews in history happened and they fit this type of suffering and persecution. The actual fulfillment of what the Lord is saying here pertains to believers as well as Jews in the last days during this tribulation period. And he says, because those days will be days of or be, because those will be days of distress, unequaled from the beginning, when God created the world until now and never to be equaled again. The reason he says, I'm telling certain groups of people, be very careful and pray that you don't have it in winter. It's going to be worse for traveling and running. How many people have just never really read this or glossed over it? The Lord spent quite a bit of time predicting or prophesying these things. And he says it's going to be a time, Jacob's trouble, tribulation period, that has never happened before, never to be equaled again. If the Lord had not cut short those days, another prophecy, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, elect, the ones whom God has chosen, when we look at the totality of scripture, we can say rightly, the elect are also the people who chose God or choose God. It's true, the Lord says, you haven't chosen me, I've chosen you. But we make the choice to be among the chosen also. Many are called, but few are chosen. How can we be part of the chosen? How can we be part of the chosen? We repent. Give our lives over to the Lord. Those people that are God's people he's talking about, people who believe in him, he said, for their sake, God will intervene and cut it short. All of this tremendous chaos. Now, for years, especially in the 20th century, people have been making books and videos and seeing the parallels and current events to scriptures like these. And they've tried to outline which nation is going to attack and which 
what kind of economy there's going to be and how these things are all leading up to this. It's true. It's actually true. There have been people who sensationalized it and their motive was to make money and to catch the gullible. But the people read the Bible and read the Bible, they, we know. Just like with this plague, just like with the credit card system and the barcode and so many things, the chips. There's a, a pastor who has a, a rich heritage in the faith in Ireland. And he's a revivalist. Very careful to teach his people holiness. Very careful to teach his people about divine healing, which happened to him. Happy and vibrant, but at the same time very alert. And he said, it's, uh, if I remember correctly, Fourth Industrial Revolution. Something of that sort regarding the connection with the plague that we have today in the world. That the next move is to implant the chip. Now, people have been talking about the chip since, as far as I remember, from the mid-70s. You can really see what seemed to be far-fetched is coming to pass very quickly. And what if they say, um, this thought came to me as I just briefly looked at that. What if they say, well, the vaccination is only good until new strain comes out, which, of course, everybody knows that they will be bringing more. What if they come up with a, a novel idea that, you know, you can skip having these shots, double dose and third dose and booster shots and a lifetime of difficulties, inconvenient, and now suppose they say there's so many strains out there, we need to get it every week. A different shot every week. Is it possible? It is possible. We're in a time where anything can happen. What if they say, if you just have this chip, you're good for life? Because this chip can adjust itself to any strain out there. It's revolutionary. It's amazing. And we just went to the council of this or that, and many nations are taking it eagerly. Because it can cut costs and save a lot of trouble for the people. And what if with that chip, something else is implanted? So much of a satanic agenda to destroy people. Now, there's not anything to say about being anti-vaccine or anti-this or that. I've had shots when I was little. We have the common things that people get, the shots to protect against certain diseases. Well, this is a different scenario, as we know, with what's happening currently. And yet, where's the safety for us? We can go off on a tangent and begin to be uh, too involved in worrying, start to worry and begin to be afraid and begin to check out every conspiracy theory there is and just spend a lifetime in delusion. Or we can be guided by the Holy Spirit to know this actually is true and this is not. Or... No matter what happens, the Lord has promised to protect his elect. And the warning and the caution and the promise at the end of this chapter
is that the Lord says, what I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. Not watch the news, but be spiritually alert. If we step back and we look at this from a bird's eye perspective, so to speak, on the one hand, we have the global crisis and something that affects everybody. On the other hand, we have a particular problems within that common problem, which is what people are going through, financial crisis, relationship crisis, health crisis, we need healing, we need restoration, we need so many things. We have two things happening simultaneously. One is very personal and private. The other thing is global and common. And so many issues that are coming, our confidence doesn't change. Because God is true to His Word. He said, heaven and earth may pass away, but my Word will never pass away. My words will not pass away. What is in His Word? He said, don't fear. I will come and rescue you. I'll be with you. I haven't given you a spirit of fear. It's not from me. That spirit of fear is not from me. I haven't given you that. What I've given you is a spirit of power to endure love and a sound mind. In the midst of all of this, we see in Revelation that evangelism is going on. Different things are happening. People are living as lights in the worst times. So it is in our day. Our focus is on the Lord. And we need to remember this. To be balanced and to be scriptural, whatever we're doing in our micro world, so to speak, as far as the church at large in the world is concerned, the evangelism that's happening, the witnessing, the living out the life to please God and win souls and go and heal the oppressed. This is a wonderful commission that God has given, the Great Commission. Teach people the Word of God. Teach them to obey God's commandments. In the midst of that, we also have a personal things we're praying about that we have to deal with in our own families. In the midst of that, we need a response concerning the global crisis because after all, we're in the world. Not of the world, but we're still in it. With all of this, there's a unifying confidence and expectation that is looking up. Lift up your heads for your redemption draws nigh. There's an eager await, awaiting that to be a balanced scriptural Christian, quote-unquote, I need to always remember, as is written in the Epistle of John, whoever has this hope purifies himself. We become ready when we really eagerly expect God's return. We understand the scriptures. We understand that there are multiple things happening simultaneously, but God is with me. And God has promised never to leave me or forsake me. And he will protect me. He will bless me in the midst of the trouble. He will make sure that I can fulfill my call and commission from him. That's the exciting truth and promise that you can't find anywhere in the universe. Anywhere on this planet or outside of this planet. It's from the Lord himself for his people. So as horrific as these days sound, we have tremendous hope.
tremendous hope, living hope, not just a future hope, a present hope. If the Lord had not cut short those days, Mark 13, 20, no one would survive, but for the sake of the elect, God cares for his own, whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. How is it possible, or how is the potential existent that the elect may even be deceived? That can only happen if the elect don't watch and pray. They begin to backslide. They can be swept up with the ungodly flood of deception that the devil will bring. The devil has been let loose to do certain things. But God has promised, whoever belongs to God, born of God, the wicked one toucheth him not. Hallelujah. No matter what the devil does, he won't be able to touch us. We'll be intact, ready to meet the Lord any time. Hallelujah. There'll be mass deception happening. And anyone who engages in any kind of sin and thinks that I can manage the Christian life with my personal sins, they will be swept away with the delusion. They will take the mark of the beast. There's no question. Because they'll be deceived to the extent that they begin fighting with people. Because they think they're right. Call all the people who don't want to take the mark of the beast in the time of the tribulation. Call them religious fanatics and their brand of Christianity is not what I subscribe to. I believe in the government. I believe in doing this and that. It's good for us. And they're just a faction. They're a group that wants to mess up things for everybody. They can get into a delusion to follow Satan and defend that. That's what sin will do. Sin itself is deceptive. Deceitfulness of sin, the Bible says. It will alter a person's thinking process and everything until they just are adamant about doing things that are abominable before God. They will forfeit their souls. How dangerous. But the Lord says, So be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. Hallelujah. Praise God. God doesn't leave His people in the dark. But in those days... Following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars, this is in Isaiah, we see in two places at least. The sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Some 700 years before the Lord uttered these words, Jesus himself gave it to Isaiah by the Holy Spirit to record this in Isaiah 13. Verse 10. The stars of heaven and their constellations will not show their light. The rising sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. Imagine a prophet in Isaiah's time. The cycle of the sun rising and going down and the moon coming at night to give its light, so to speak. And the stars, it hasn't changed since the dawn of man. Since about 4000 B.C., for some 3,300 years until the time of Isaiah, 700 B.C., thereabouts. Everything's normal. I'm talking about three millennia plus. What is Isaiah talking about? The Spirit of God has given that. 
looking way into the future to the end of time Lord Jesus explains this right here in Mark 13 then again in Isaiah 34 verse 4 it's written all the stars in the sky will be dissolved and the heavens rolled up like a scroll all the starry host will fall like withered leaves from the vine, like shriveled figs from the fig tree. This is something every man, woman, and child who is called a Christian must know, must understand, not to appreciate the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy or the Lord's prophecy, but to be prepared. To appreciate it to the point that it changes our lives, that we know we're supposed to be holy and sober. And that's what Peter says. Seeing that the heavens are going to be dissolved with fire. The elements are going to melt with intense heat. And there'll be a roaring noise. What manner of people ought you to be? The message to the churches that are scattered. The believers that were suffering. To whom Peter wrote to. He says, you know the future. You have no time. I know you're suffering. We're suffering. We have no time to backslide. Because God is going to wrap things up. Now, these last days have extended some two millennia. Certainly we know. It's sooner than we think. As natural people. Spiritually, there's an internal clock that if we're obedient to God and we love Him with all our hearts and we have faith in Him, we're watching and praying, we're sober, everything we do is in light of eternity. Is it right before the Lord? Every single thing. That person will be safe. That person will endure to the end to be saved. There's a salvation that is given to us. We're justified instantly the moment we really believe. There's a salvation that continues when we continue to walk in the light. There's a salvation that will come to us at the end, final salvation. The term final salvation, the phrase, is not to mean that we don't have full salvation now. We do. But there's a progressive uh, perfection of it, if you will. There's a completeness that has to come. And that only comes if we endure to the end. And that's why the Lord said that. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds. By the way, in Revelation is written that the sky was rolled up like a scroll. Just like Isaiah said. So we have prophecy in Isaiah's time about 700 B.C., in Jesus' time, about 29 A.D. or so. Then we have, in the 90s A.D., John the Apostle with the revelation of Jesus Christ. And he actually saw it happen in the future. What a book we have in our hands. The heavenly book. We ought to be studying it and loving the Word of God and saying, Lord, there's one thing I desire. I want to be ready for your appearing at all times. Hallelujah. And the Lord said, see, I've told you before. Be on your guard. At that time, people see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. He will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now, learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near. 
right at the door. In other words, he's saying there are signs that will show that this season is upon us. That the big tribulation, the great tribulation is around the corner. We see that in the world. We mentioned earlier, just like in Matthew 24, so here and also in Luke, that you'll hear of diseases. In Matthew's Gospel, you see that. Pestilences, plagues. You'll hear of earthquakes, wars and rumors of wars, and mass deception through people claiming to be Christ. Whatever has happened through the cults and false religions over the years, were just pale in comparison to the following those people have had. I remember in college, in Brooklyn College, I was going outside of the campus. And there was a table set up, and these Caucasian people and different people coming to try to persuade me to follow a Korean self-proclaimed Christ, Reverend Moon. And the man was telling me about the blueprint of heaven. He's trying to persuade me that this false prophet who believed he's Jesus Christ, Sung Young Moon, if I remember correctly. They call the followers Moonies. It's a deception. This man is trying to persuade me that he has the insight into the blueprint of heaven. I said, all I need to know is what's in the Bible. I don't know about anything you're saying. And he got angry. He's just, he went from a calm, pleasant person to filled with rage. And he was showing me a piece of paper that he had a drawing from his leader's uh, revelation, no doubt from the devil. And as I refused to accept that, he almost began to clench that paper, or clench that paper, as if he wanted to strike me. It shows the true nature of falsehood. It's murderous. But none of those things can compare to the level of deception that's going to come so much to the point that God says even the elect may be deceived. It has nothing to do with his keeping power. Nothing to do with our ability to overcome anything. He said that. I've given you power over scorpions and snakes. Over all the power of the enemy. A believer will never be deceived. Will never be overcome by the devil. Will never... Deny the Lord Jesus, no matter what tribulation they face. A believer will never, ever have any fall in their lives, but they can make it to heaven triumphantly if they watch and pray, which implies clinging to the Savior and obedience to His truth, being alert when He says, I'm warning you, I'm cautioning you. Knowing the times and the seasons. Now our personal lives ought to be holy. We should flock with people who really understand that. Like-minded people of like precious faith. Truly I tell you this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will never pass away. Some have interpreted that. To say that, well, it's the generation when Roman forces came and destroyed everything. They did have a, a kind of exodus. People were fleeing for their lives. A massacre happened. And then it happened in Masada, this fortress. 
further into the desert area, there's a big battle between those valiant Jews and eventually the Romans crushed them. Many of them actually committed suicide. They didn't have the Messiah. And yet the Lord explains that this is also talking about a bigger picture. The generation that sees the leaves come out as the fig tree's twigs get tender. That generation, when all these things happen, you know that the other things will also happen. The signs show. Is it possible that we could be in that generation? People have speculated that for years, at least a good century or two, particularly. But we see so much today that it's hard to conceive of that not being plausible or believable. Things are very ripe for the Antichrist, more so than ever. The deception is ripe. The agenda of the world governments and the way they all come together in the World Economic Forum and they make decisions that affect people's lives and there's an agenda. So many things are happening. We don't know all the details. We're not called to be on every meeting that the heathen take up and governments do, but we're called to look at Jesus. And the Holy Spirit will show us what to do if we continue to pray. How to get through darkness and the tribulation that we face. And this tremendous truth is there also. That the Lord will snatch away his own. That they don't have to go through this time of sorrow. So there's a, a string of many tribulations that believers can go through. We do especially in connection with our standing up for the truth, which will bring persecution. All they that live godly will suffer persecution. But then there's a great tribulation. There will be believers there, obviously. People take the mark from the Antichrist. God himself will turn against them. But the ones who don't, the Antichrist will kill them with the sword. We want to be among those who are ready to escape those sorrows that are going to be unprecedented. In other words, no matter what tribulation we've seen so far in history, human history up to this point, according to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God himself says, we see the whole panorama of history. Yet a time is coming upon this earth such as never has been before and never will be repeated. We don't want to be here for that. We have to be sober. We have to be obedient. We have to love God and do what He wants us to do and get out when He says to get out. There's a glorious rapture that God has for His people in the twinkling of an eye. A generation of people that won't see death, they'll be instantly transformed in flight, as it were, to meet the Savior. But about that day, as we come to a close this morning, or hour, no one knows. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even... The angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. According to the scriptures, the Son has, even though he's God, has taken on a role in which this information is withheld from him. Because the Father has determined the times. As Peter the Apostle spoke 
enacts the times of refreshing which the Father has determined. Lord, will you at this time set up your kingdom? He said, it's not for you to know. The Father determines it. But the important thing, the most essential thing for us is to be on guard. Verse 33. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. Now, that gives us illustration. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. In other words, when we look at the other parables that the Lord also spoke, watch for the return of the householder. In our case, Christ as a son over his house, the church. We're called to wait on him and look for his return eagerly, prepare ourselves to meet him, not be drunken, intoxicated with this world, and uh, participating in things that are abominable, uh, being lukewarm or lethargic, but to be alert and sober. That's what God is looking for. And he's given us all we need. And he's told us that I'm coming for you because I love you. If we really love him, we will look for him. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows or at dawn. He's just left it open for people. If they want, they can guess, but you definitely won't know the time. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. God wants us to watch. See in Thessalonians, you see it in Ephesians, being sober, watching. Some of those words have to do with being sober uh, from drink, intoxicating wine, alcoholic wine. But no doubt, as it's written in Luke, don't be filled with carousing, being loose, drunkenness, because that day will come on you like a thief. He's writing to people who believe in him. It's possible for the elect to be deceived and to be shut out of the kingdom. Very possible if the elect start behaving like the non-elect. Because God is not mocked. Whatever we do, in Revelation 22.12, he says, I'm coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to every man according to his work, his actions. So the word watch means to be alert. It means to keep awake, be vigilant, to be able to think clearly and anything that will try to twist the thinking or make us love Jesus less or get us off on a tangent where we feel good but we don't really like to pray or we don't believe in spending more time with the Lord. We think we've got it together. We can fit the Lord in our schedule. 
we have to know ourselves and praise God it's possible to come to God and say Lord what's my spiritual temperature am I hot am I cold or am I lukewarm God will tell us if we're interested to know because our eternity will depend upon it but if we're fervent in love for the Lord and we say Lord I've I've seen everything as vanity it's really true and we're living in a day and age where there's no hope there's no hope whatsoever there's no hope everything has failed right before man's eyes everything that people even thought could give hope everything has crumbled and how much more our hope shines so brightly against the backdrop of hopelessness worldwide and all the intoxicating things people do to try to divert themselves from facing the truth when their own consciences condemn them that they rejected God we have come and surrendered at the cross to Lord Jesus he died to save me not only from a mess but from madness from a massacre that the enemy wants to unleash on the people who are not watching we're not looking for the savior we thank god we worship him we said lord i want to be ready when you call we can be ready and go away before the rapture happens we can be ready at the rapture one thing we need to do is to be ready therefore be ready also for at such an hour as you think not the son of man cometh the Lord said also in Luke he kept saying again and again there's an element of surprise it's by design to see who really is my disciple who really loves me who really cares about me and the Lord said this also in one of the parables when he comes suddenly he'll know which servants of his are actually abusing the other servants they're drinking and they're beating people up and there's chaos happening the Lord said I'll come back and I'll give them the portion with the hypocrites shut them out in darkness it's a very sobering thing when you look at all the passages in scripture regarding the return of the Lord Jesus with all the signs and the key words and phrases that are repeated to prepare us when we go fast forward Revelation we see a, a beautiful city adorned as a bride is the city of the saints and those who are in that city will be clothed in white with absolute joy and God and the lamb will be its light there'll be no more sorrow no tribulation whatsoever only triumph and rejoicing in God we have a probationary period for some people it may be 20 years and they're gone 30 40 50 60 70 80 for some even 100 but it goes by so quick we have the opportunity just like we tell people in the natural parents to the children look you're in school for 3 or 4 years and if you just stick with it and keep your eyes on the goal on the prize you'll have a degree and you can get a job better job or whatever how much more our probationary life here for the few or several decades that can determine our eternity to make the most of it we heard a 
powerful message last evening from the Lord regarding we want to make sure we do His will. It's not about what we want to do for Him. There are many people clamoring in churches and evangelical organizations. They're doing things for God. I wonder how many of them God will say on that day, I never told you to do this. What a shock and what a loss. We need to spend time with the Lord. Someone mentioned yesterday that uh, she gets up early in the morning and prays for some hours before the morning call. Unless we do such a thing, we will never know what God really wants. We'll never be close to His heart. It's like a person who's married to someone, doesn't really spend time with them or take time to understand their thoughts or share things with them. They have the contract, but they really don't know each other. They won't know what the other person really likes to the extent that it should be known. But God is so generous and gentle. He's so awesome. He is so awesome that if we come near Him, He said, I'll draw near to you. I'll reveal things to you. I'll prepare you. I'll shelter you. And I'll put you in a position where my glory will go through you in the worst tribulation. It'll shine through you. And I'll take you to be with me because I love you. And you have responded in love. Never again will there be any tears. No more hunger, thirst, no more. What a glorious future. May the Lord help us to watch and pray. Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the true perspective, Lord, of your word and the times in which we live and how we ought to be digesting your word and looking for things that you told us to look for, the signs, and to be alert, not to be frenzied or paranoid or looking into every conspiracy theory, but to keep our eyes on you and your word, to keep ourselves pure, looking for your return, that we can purify ourselves with that hope. Lord, we see how narrow the road is, how straight the gate, how restricted and constricted, and that it's only the holy ones that can go through that narrow gate. Only the ones who have no private life and public life contradicting each other. Only the ones who have the fear of God in their very bones. And I say, Lord, come soon. Even so, come soon, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You promised to bless your people. You promised, Lord, to prosper us. You, you promised, Lord, to protect us, to heal us, Lord, to deliver us, to be with us through every trial, Lord, and to encourage us to persevere until we see the results that you want us to have. We praise you for your very present help in every tribulation. And, Lord, you're our hope and future. We praise you, Lord. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.